0: So, been re- referring to this uh, chitta as awareness. <clears throat> it's one of the first things we we kind of uh, tap into as You meditate. You have attention, which is a much more deliberate, focused pointing at, and then also you, you begin to get the sense of being able to kind of moderate that and as you as you exercise attention, you know, which we do anyway in our lives, we're always doing that. Um, You need to kind of sense a larger receptive quality, listening, watching, attentive, it just kind of doesn't really do anything, seemingly. present, you feel you're within that. And that's one of the, I would say, one of the first things that opens up for us in, in meditation, the way that the mind isn't just about doing and going forward and making constructing the mind is also about opening we sometimes really enjoy that reference to opening up to something more spacious so, because that's what it feels like, it Feels feels space- more spacious it feels more sensitive um, and so if, uh, we kind of in- enjoy that, first of all we in- really enjoy that after a while, you kind of dread it. <laughs> because as you as you open up, then what becomes more apparent are all kinds of things that one's, one's attention is able to skirt around. You can deliberately focus on this, focus on that, do this, get busy with that, shift this, hold that. When you start stop doing that, then you kind of, well... Other things start happening that weren't deliberate. You know, they're not deliberate, they're just kind of feelings, memories, perceptions, felt senses, moods, energies. So, very often, you know, that's what I think we all recognize. You know, people, when they come to a retreat, often they come very eager. Get into it, and then a certain amount of people just about three days turn around and run. You know, really have a lot of difficulty anyway. Uh, so, um, so, the awareness right, is not an answer, like some kind of uh, dropping into some, uh, you know. Nibbanic space is it's opening up, and but there is a sense of gradually deconditioning or unconditioning. The first thing we start to decondition or uncondition is what we attend to, you know. So instead of just uh, focusing on particular desire objects or things where we control things, you know, so we don't have to see or witness or notice. We hold things in a particular way. We start to Make attention a bit more object, more objective, or you know, to the whole body, to what's going on in the mind. Um, so you become a bit more transparent to yourself. And it's really important then always to have this quality of <coughs> the mind imbued with. Allowance with goodwill, with uh, you know, however you want to put that, not as something we necessarily pump out, but as just the feeling of self-respect that comes with uh, reflecting on precepts and harmlessness, on benevolence, on goodness, and that basic sense of that as a as a refuge, as a place to come back to. Very ordinary, actually. You, you might say, just remember get in touch with that wish to feel well, to feel happy, to feel good, to feel relaxed. Whatever it is for you, just that, that bit in you that can wish that. Mm. And wish that for others and appreciate it when it's there and look towards safeguarding that and uh, honouring that. You know, it's not terribly esoteric or altruistic, it's just very basic. And we attune more to the uh, see, deconditioning from the indifference or the uh, you know, the, the lack of feeling, or the, or the, the constrictions in it, the more, more broad level of of feeling with, being with, being with yourself through the ups and downs, through all of it. So, you, you know, so we say awareness has its own conditioning and deconditioning awareness is a uh, certain uh, core um, mistakes that uh, are ingrained. One is the sense of finding stability, permanent security, very very strong instinct it's not an idea it's an instinct we get wobbly when it's not there we look for it we want to know where we are how we are what the future is going to be and so forth very very basic thing looking for the permanent the stable um we don't find that we we feel we 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 clench we control we hold on we find a little niche somewhere we build it a piece of territory because it's such a such a powerful nerve for us. You know? How to decondition the awareness from needing that. You know? Also from happiness. Every everything seeks happiness, well-being. Um, when we don't get it, we feel miserable. I guess tied into our activities, will this make me feel good, happy, so forth, don't feel happy, don't feel good, you know, Um, something that shuts down, gets edgy, and we, you know, decondition from that, and also, which is very, very perhaps, as powerful, you know, recognising we're not going to feel happy all the time. That's not something necessarily going wrong, and uh thirdly, the sense of self so, so you know these are three signs in dukkha, Dukkanata, the impermanence, the um unsatisfactory and not self but they so but they're different worked at different levels. Of how awareness is conditioned first the level of you might say nature is a perception the perception so the way that we we tag things you know the way that it's basically apprehended as solid lasting temporary fleeting you know how how solid our world seems to be uh, actually you know on a technically we can recognize it's just a moment at a time but that love is a nice idea, and at times we can be with that, Other times, that isn't really good enough. <laughs> something else you you want to make something you know, for operating. Yeah. You know? So there's perception and permanence. Then dukkha is a feeling. Mm. So and then anatta is a realization. So you can't anatta is not a perception. It's a realization. So, really, you, don't, you, don't, you can't get the realization of anatta just from saying not self, because that's not a realization, that's a perception, that's an idea. Uh, so, very often, what can occur is people, you get one, deconditions the mind to the sense of it's spacious, it's bright, it's luminous, so this is what you really are, or your true nature, or something like that. So, there's still some kind of sense of, you know, meanness hovering around it. Mm-hmm. So you see how the deconditioning is gradated, You know, and the most difficult or the most profound is the real is the realisational level of awareness. Perceptual level, we can probably reckon- recognise more. Consciously, more constantly, more comfortably impermanence, change, flux, comings and goings, beginnings and endings. And in fact, that's your basic training, isn't it, in many ways. <coughs> you know, moment at a time, life of gone forth, all that kind of thing. And probably, I would have said in the time of the Buddha, much more so. Here we live in relatively, there's a perception of as being a continuing thing. You know, with routines and days and monuments like me, <laughs> or something like that, you know, roles and functions and nice stable sangha and all that. So, as in the Buddha, you know, basically just kind of out in the wilds, didn't you know, really make it through the day or get fed. And really that is that is a, that is a very you couldn't sustain that that wouldn't be the dominant impression of your mind in life at all. You might be bored with it. The the on, ongoing stability of it gets boring sometimes or stale. But you never call it, you know, existentially threatening and dangerous. It's all gonna fall apart. And then the next by evening <laughs> or you might not get fed tomorrow. It's very unlikely. Yeah. So, yeah. But then, actually, in our training, we're trying to kind of keep cultivating that, and most clearly it becomes obvious when you're doing something like in your meditation, your mindfulness of breathing, watching the thoughts go by. That, that, that you realise, oh, yeah, you know, body is change, thoughts are change, feelings are change, and you can run that kind of um that review. You know, awareness can you can contemplate from that particular perspective um, but that isn't isn't by me not it you know? I don't think so I don't see so because you're dealing with a very really perceptual level where awareness condition does of perceptions in terms of forming realities it doesn't necessarily deal with a felt sense of it you know? so we can recognize, well, moods are impermanent, feelings are impermanent, they come and they go, which is true. But it, that isn't a dominant um, bit that we, we seek in feelings, we don't seek for permanent feeling, we seek for happiness in feelings. So it's rather like, you know, you could take um, a bottle of water and say, well, this is, this is a litre, and it's cold a litre of cold water, you'd definitely be quite accurate about that, but it wouldn't tell you anything about the taste of it, because it's a different way of apprehending it, isn't it? I mean, you could take a pane of glass and say, well, it's, you know, so wide and so tall, but it wouldn't tell you about the clarity of it, would it'd it? So be quite an accurate measurement, you know, this pane of glass is so tall, so wide. But really, that isn't really the reason why you have glass glass, the dominant characteristic of glass really is its clarity. The most important quality of water is not you know how how much volume it is at least most of the time anyway, but whether it tastes clean whether it's whether it's poisonous or not. so what I'm saying is you can form very accurate perceptions of feelings as changeable as ephemeral. But that isn't really the point. We all know that. But what we find it difficult is the quality of happiness, unhappiness in them. That's what knocks one around, that lifts one up. That's where the conditioning occurs. Hmm. So, you know, you have somebody getting a tooth pulled out really it doesn't take that long but the intensity of the feeling is what counts. So you can run that quality of impermanence over feeling time and time again and you know it gives you a certain perspective on it but it doesn't necessarily deal with the interest in happy feeling, the dread of unhappy feeling, the fear of unhappy feeling. And all of the difficulties that occur, even more to the point, in terms of very, um, you know, strongly disruptive feeling like fear, grief, rage... erotic feeling you know you find well okay you know because waving impermanence over it doesn't really it it gives you some standpoint but you realise also in doing that your sense of actually comprehending and releasing the potency of that feeling it diminishes because you're not feeling it If you you tend to if you feel it, you feel it, you get absorbed into it. We feel our sorrows and joys. Then, in some ways, they become larger. They become bigger. They become more intense. Sometimes this is very dangerous and unsettling. Hmm. So, you know what I'm saying. Really, is that the sense of witnessing feelings, however. Useful that can be at least as a as a container. Doesn't decondition their potency. And what can occur instead is a kind of slightly glazed or indifferent attitude gets put in. Doesn't matter because it will change. Mm, it's just a feeling. I think it's kind of true. But you know, you want to live like that. Nothing matters. Everything's just a feeling. Really? How does that go with wishing yourself well? How does that fit in with those things? Do you lose that capacity to be warm-hearted towards yourself, let alone towards others? Do you lose your sense of joyfulness, fun, playfulness? Yeah. And I I think, in some sense, one can through that. Even though you're doing in some ways the right things and you're forming fairly accurate readings on the nature of feeling, it isn't the readings you need. And we're reading it with the wrong kind of uh, um, receptors. That is when the Buddha and his Anapanasati Sutta talked about a, a process of of a, uh, you might say, relative release. You know, it's a bit the beginning of the deconditioning process. And it, it talks about first the bodily aspect, calming, steadying the body energies. So you come more into the fullness of the body, fullness of the body energy system. You feel steady and bright, and refreshed in a bodily sense, calmed in a bodily sense, out of the staleness or the tension. And, you think, and then you can spread, widen that through the whole body. So actually, enter into the bodily. You calm, steady the bodily feeling, entering into it, spreading it, widening it. And through that, you know, you, you can you kind of extend your bodily sense, your body energy. And, uh, you know, so the end of it is a kind of brightness actually. not a a dullness or a lack of energy, but a brightness and a a stability. Then he talks about the mind or awareness and the kind of um, energies, we might say sankharas, when I'm using these programs, processes, formulations, fabrications, the kind of, you might say, the emotive patterns, the the fear pattern the threat pattern the 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 um, anxiety patterns the you know the, or the emotional you know readout. feeling constricted feeling bright feeling peaceful feeling you know oppressed whatever it is and how these things are running you yeah. know and not necessarily um, attributable to, to what's manifesting in the external world, but actually something kind of right there imprinted onto the emotional circuits. I think we're all familiar with that. And then it says, you know, coming, calming that. First of all, fully aware of pity, rapture, fully aware of ease. So it gets these two, sensitive to that. And then, then tuning into the... the Psycho-emotional programs that are running, and tuning into them, and then steadying, calming them. But what he is actually pointing—you already have an awareness that's that's resonant on an emotional level, an emotive level, on a feeling level. It's already endowed with a quality of a pity, which is an uplifted. Um, state and is a settled calm state and that's the that's the way he puts it like in that and then from there you then begin to decondition Those you don't decondition it apart from through that i mean you can sidestep it you know you can you can get out of it you can but you don't really enter it and decondition it unless Without those, and those two do, you know, they're, they're not just m- only referred to in that particular teaching, but they're pretty, one of the enlightenment factors, two of the enlightenment factors, with rapture and ease and tranquility, they're pretty much basic. And uh, where do they come from? Yeah. And do we experience that? And if we think it's not necessary... Because it's just impermanent also. So you can get into being a bit of an impermanence fanatic in a way. And how does that feel? Because of course the feeling level is both sometimes difficult to enter or difficult to really um, get comfortable. It can be um, there 's a lot of stored up things in the feeling experience. things affect us and actually it's in this particular teaching and the Panasati teaching, then you get a sense of just beginning to get that sense of of, 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 of rapturousness coming from the body. That is from being with something like breathing in, breathing out, being with the awareness of that, which starts to feel more spacious. And it's it's attuned, it's balanced, it's calm, it's steady, it's more more spacious. And the body's energy starts to pick up and feel refreshed in that. So that quality comes up. And you, you know what do words mean anyway? Who knows? When You use a word like rapture; it sounds kind of pretty extreme, and perhaps it is for some people. But I would say it's, there's two qualities to it. One, it's the sense of it's it's it rapture to be lifted. It's something that actually catches you. It's something that that gets to you. If you don't do it, it comes to you. It, you know, something like um, which, So it's the first. We might say it's the first real indicator of awareness on a feeling level how you feel awareness you feel it as a certain gladness enthusiasm oh you're in something and oh you can rest in it or you're no longer so hard edged you're no longer just doing it or you're no longer thrashing around with various um, topics of thought you've come out of that very encased and enclosed um, experience Mm. so it's the first sign of that we might experience that through taking our meditation object and steadying it, being comfortable with that extending beyond it to the awareness of that whether the sign itself say breathing in and out, this example is, is settled, it's doing it. So something you just going to step back. It's called rapture is said to be born of this non-attachment or this ability to step back, to feel, oh, okay, it's going, ah. Oh. And it's the thing that... Um, You know, on an ordinary worldly level is is when you're a skillful artist, craftsperson, athlete, whatever you're doing, you know your job, you do it well, you know how to do it, you do it, and and as you pick up the tools, you get into it, it starts to flow. So although you're fully engaged with it, some bit of you can step back because you're no longer having to figure it out and find your way, so it flows. And this is the kind of experience, flow experience, that people get through various pursuits of one kind or another, and that's why people do it. Well, and it will, it, how it will probably be working until he actually physically falls apart. Because <laughs> there's a kind of a flow that you don't have to figure it out. It's, it's just... Yeah. And to be in that space where things are happening, time seems to be irrelevant. Hmm. So this is this is the quality of piti. But in in this sense, we're really developing that, or looking to how that can happen. You know, just through the skills of the of meditation, skills of of attention, skills of of awareness, the skills of response to ourselves. How you know, that comes around. Sukha is the sense of feeling um, you've you've kind of found a place or or an emotional level or emotive level where you're warm, you're steady there, ease. So this deconditions awareness in certain respects in that for when you can do this, you don't actually... You know, need to feel so much interest or need to find that in other places, because it's a, you know, it's, it's, it can be more accessible and harmless and not not associated with greed or overactivity. You know, you can just so, it's deeply refreshing. So it deconditions the mind awareness in terms of how we seek happiness, how we find fulfillment in ourselves. And the quality of ease starts to have an effect on how excited we feel we need to, you know, how much lift you want. Because after a while you think, oh, you just kind of settle, you know. So you get a kind of a refinement of that to the point which if that process continues, it comes more towards equanimity. I mean, it's just spacious, open, not indifferent, but, but sensitive on the emotive level, and able to, if you like, extend that space over the whole ups and downs of experience. And this is considered to be a supreme enlightenment factor, so this is not a small thing by any chart anyway but at least we begin to recognize the territory what you're tuning into you might say awareness as an emotional or emotive or a feeling sense and with all of these in teachings you know there's there's you might say there are particular Territories, and pack, you know, and guided tours, how to get there. You know, but it, it still remains a kind of individual process, where sometimes people need to actually, you know. Develop one way or another way. Perhaps learn to feel things more fully. First of all, how I am with this, asking that kind of question, having that hint. What's it like to be to be to feel well? What's it like to wish well? Hmm. What's it like to feel hurt? To be with that. What actually happens when we feel? Stress? Can, we, can there be compassion and spaciousness rather than panic? Or anxiety? And these. Learning this is by no. not just the process of the ideas, is it? They've so been teaching. Some gong the other day just saying, you know, getting the body to learn how to find balance. Because they the word balance and even the instructions to do it are pretty simple and brief. Actually getting the feeling for how your body knows that and learns it and stays with it. Because you're actually operating through a different, through a different agency. So sometimes it's about noticing how you do what you do to make yourself feel happy. Go for a walk, do something, draw something, talk to somebody, play with something, fiddle around, have a bath. Whatever you do, you know. So you know here we've got this kind of level of safety in terms of precepts and harmlessness, and you explore what it's like to what that what that how you do that and how you really appreciate it and that that faculty and seeing is not something that's trivial or slightly naughty or getting off the point or distractive, but actually maybe for some people really important faculty to lift up the ability to enjoy the enjoyment faculty with the recognition that Really, once that faculty starts to open, then the process of Dharma, if you really, you'll find that it will, it will take you, it will feed back, it will actually come into your meditation practice. If you really contemplate, you know, well, why call it meditation practice? Your practice of cultivating awareness, of fulfilling awareness, of uh, extending of deconditioning the the tightness the tenseness the self disparagement the frantic the panic the, sometimes the miserliness we have towards ourselves the, the crampedness you yeah. know very important because you don't want to be some cramped little monastic sitting there recognizing life is impermanent it's all gonna end one day, thank goodness. I think it's better than that. That's true in one way. It will all, something will end one day. That's true. But the I think we can do there's more to it than that. That doesn't decondition. You're left with a sense of resignation. I don't want to live resignation as a lifestyle. But um, when we enter this area, then, of course, there's a, there can be a lot of passions and, and uh, you know, censored or negated or shut off emotional pieces. So really, uh, Buddha's recommendation is to build up the more, you might say, positive or, or, or resourceful emotive basis and in terms of formal practice and retreat then you know which isn't by any means as far as I can see the end of the story or the whole of the story but but this is what we're doing right now training in right now how do you happen in being with standing sitting walking breathing yeah. What's the common denominator of all that? What is it's behind all that? Certain, I think, certain core attitudes, such as, you know, a sort a, of a, a, a limiting, a restrictive one, is having to get it right, having to make it work, trying to get somewhere. To me, those always shut down the enjoyment faculty, definitely. Um, feeling over dutiful or res- responsible—that definitely shuts it down. Giving up judgment, you know, giving up on oneself, judging oneself—that definitely not a lot of fun in that. Hmm. What, what, you know, what, what um, enhances the possibility is to explore the textures of of being or the physical textures of it the bodily senses the energies there and I would say softening widening your attention is, is is something that's quite localized and you can widen the aperture so as it gets steadied on one particular point you can widen that so in um, in a panasati teachings the Buddha says you know you long breathing, then as the breathing starts, you get the full extent of it, even if it's quite refined, then it starts, It becomes much, shallow, much shallower in some ways, or stiller, but it's hardly breathing, it becomes bright. Then the tendency can then be to kind of contract into that. So then the sense is fully aware of the sensitive to the whole body, in other words, your awareness which has now been picked up, that quality of brightness and steadiness, because it's it's a conditioned thing, awareness. And this, what I'm talking about, picks up that, and it kind of uh, tunes into that sense of brightness, means absence of fear, absence of dullness, absence of of tension, absence of <clears throat> these hindrance qualities, so it starts to widen. And you encourage that, saying so you want to feel the whole quality of embodiment. You can do the standing, sitting, walking, lying down, you know, spread it through the whole body. So this is definitely a pathway, a pathway to the experience of rapture and ease, because you get a sense of, you know, the whole body and then you get a sense of something around it. You know, something always bigger than that. And that's where the sense of being held, being lifted, being within, in a way that's not kind of tightly clenched, but but like a pleasantly, like being in the sea, you might say. Mm-hmm. Oh. Oh. and so there's this sense of the, you know, the um, quality of uplift starts to occur you're not doing it anymore or the doing is very simply just staying on track staying with it staying with it staying with it tuning in And you begin, to, you know, you can you recognise sometimes the more impassioned qualities, the more kind of excited or stirred up, are actually less, less pleasing, because they're they're kind of rocky. So the mind, when awareness inclines towards just just quieting down a bit, you know, so it moves towards ease. So instead of that. Snatch quality towards happiness. The, the happiness that arises, strangely enough, through a sort of a stepping back and a widening. And it's the language is it goes against what one you know it sounds. Is it's actually much more um, nourishing and and enriching than passion. Because you don't have the snatch, thrust, stirred up sense. But it's not kind of feelingless either. It's the base within which our snatch and grab programs can get unplugged, which is the whole point of deconditioning particular pieces. A snatch, grab, gain, loss, hold, that bit can get unplugged. It becomes just a source of unnecessary tension and stress. So this is how you start to decondition awareness on the feeling level. So find your way. It's not. It's funny, though. This is is very, uh, I would say. I think essential, actually. It's also something you can't get by snatching it. You know? It's both desirable, but you don't get it through through tanha. You get it through careful sense of motivation, chanda, which means I'm interested. I'm curious. I want to feel this out. Where is the feel good? Where do I lose it? Where do I find it? What's that little ember? Can it be enjoyed? Can it be treasured, however small it is? Can it be you can get a picture of it and then can it, can it linger in it, play with it, extend it?